Joshua 10, 1 through 28. As soon as Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had captured Ai and had devoured it, or devoted it to destruction, doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them. He feared greatly, because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, because it was greater than Ai, and all the men were warriors. So Adonai Zadok, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Herobon, and to Priram, king of Jermar, and to Josephah, king of Lachish, and to Deber, king of Egon, saying, Come up to me and help me, and let us strike Gideon, for it has made peace with Joshua and the people of Israel. Then the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jamah, the king of Lachish, and the king of Egon, gathered their forces and went up with all their armies to encamp against Gideon and made war against it. And the men of Gideon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not relax your hand from your servant. Come up to us quickly and save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the hill country gather against us. So Joshua went up from Galilee, he and all the people of war, and with him all the men of mighty and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them. I have given them unto your hands. Not a man of them shall stand before you. So Joshua came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gideon. And the Lord threw them into panic before Israel, who struck them with a great blow at Gideon, and chased them all the way by the ascent of Bethorn, and struck them as far as Ezekiel and Mechada. And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the ascent of Bethorn, the Lord threw large stones from heaven on them as far as Ezekiel, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than from the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. He said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Agilon. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is it not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of the heaven and did not hurry to set for about a day? There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. So Joshua returned 
and all of Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. These five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told to Joshua that five kings have been found hidden in the cave of Makeda. And Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by by it to guard them. But do not stay there yourself. Pursue your enemy. Attack their rear guard. Do not let them enter their city. For the Lord your God has given them unto your hand. When Joshua and all the sons of Israel had finished striking them with a great blow until they were wiped out, and when the remnants that remained of them had entered into the fortified cities, then all the people returned safely to Joseph, to Joshua in the camp at Makeda. Not a man moved his tongue against any of the people of Israel. Then Joseph said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring those five kings out of the cave to me. And they, so, and they did so and brought those five kings out to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jamar, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. And when they had brought those kings out to Joseph, Joseph summoned all the men of Israel and said to the chief men of war who had gone with him, Come near, put your feet on the neck of these kings. Then they came near and put their feet on on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid or dismayed. Be strong and courageous. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. Afterward, Joshua struck them and put them to death. He hung them on five trees, and they hung on the trees until evening. But at that time of the going down of the sun... Joshua commanded, and they took them down from the trees and threw them in the caves where they had hidden themselves. And they set large stones against the mouth of the cave, which remain to this very day. As for Mekunda, Joshua captured it on that day and struck it. And its king, with the edge of his sword, he devoted it to destruction, every person in it, he left no remnant, no remains. He did this to the king of Micaiah, just as he had done to the king of Jericho. Good morning. What an amazing story we're going to look at today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you've instructed us, that you are with us, that we are not to be dismayed. You tell us to be strong and courageous. No matter what the obstacle ahead is, no matter what obstacle in life we face, 
you are there with us. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to fellowship together in this warm place. And may your spirit speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. My name is Dave Noss. I'm an elder here at the church. And um, we miss Fletch. I'll say that personally. I miss Fletch. <laughs> right? So I'm just praying that the butterflies, you know, fly in unison instead of all over the place. So he's enjoying his time with his family. And they did celebrate his grandmother's passing this week in Pennsylvania. And our prayers are with him and Meg and, and the kids. Let me take you to a day. Jan, uh, June 6, 1944. Otherwise known as D-Day. 156,000 Allied troops landed on 50-mile stretch of beach heavily to defend the French coastline near Normandy to fight the forces of Nazi Germany. General Eisenhower had said that this operation was one in which we will accept nothing less than full victory. More than 6,000 ships and 11,000 aircraft were involved in this operation. A lot of planning. We know it as D-Day. And by the time it was over, over 10,000 Allied soldiers had lost their lives. But taking Normandy ultimately meant the defeat of Adolf Hitler. A man by the name of Cornelius Ryan wrote a book in 1959 about that day. And the title of that book was called The Longest Day. The book takes its name from a quote by a German field marshal, Erwin Rommel, who's noted for his troops called the Rommel Rats. He said this, The first 24 hours of the invasion will be decisive. The fate of Germany depends on the outcome For the Allies, as well as Germany, it will be the longest day. Since that day would be very hard and very difficult, that day would seem very, very long. And then today we come to the 10th chapter of Joshua. in which it was literally a really, really long day. And not just because it seemed that way. Joshua realized at one point of the battle that the day was going to end before victory was possible and victory was complete. So he simply asked God to make the sun stand still. 
And the Bible tells us that at the end of, of verse 13, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed from going down for about a full day. We have never seen a day like that in our lives. Well, let's set the stage. We'll back the truck up a little bit. Or maybe I should back the tank up a little bit. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Fletch talked about a treaty that Israel was fooled into making with the town of Gibeon. The Gibeonites deceived Israel into thinking that they were from a faraway place and they had heard about what was going on with the Joshua and, and the Israelites and the wonderful victories that their God has given them. Where in reality, Gibeon was only about eight miles away from Jerusalem. Even though the Gibeonites were deceptive, the Israelites determined to show their integrity and to be faithful to the oath that they took before the Lord, honored Gibeon's request. So what happens in Joshua chapter 10? We see an immediate consequence of the treaty that was made with Gibeon. You know, being faithful to your word sometimes makes life more complicated. The surrounding cities and kings were upset because Gibeon, and it says in verse 2, was an important city. Like one of the royal cities, it was larger than Ai, and all its men were good fighters. And so when this city defects, if you will, the alliance, alliance of these five kings get together and decide to attack Gibeon. The people of Gideon knew they were no match for the alliance of, of these five kings. And so in verse 6, we see that they send a message to Joshua. They said, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all of the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. Can you imagine what Joshua is thinking when he hears this word? We're not sure how long the treaty was, in, was set. Could be five days, could be a month, we're not sure. But I imagine Joshua gave this big sigh. This alliance with Gibeon was already causing trouble. He probably could have said, oh, great. This is exactly what we need now. It's that same kind of sigh that many of us give when unexpected obstacles and surprises come in life's journey. However, watch what happens. 
we can learn from this situation because all of us, in one phase or another in life, face obstacles. And Joshua is faced with a pretty terrific obstacle. Before, he's been knocking off cities one by one. Now he's got five cities attacking all at once. What are they going to do? Well, as any obstacles of of life that come our way, we should always seek God's guidance. Look what Joshua does. He seeks God's guidance. And God gives him the word. Look at verse 8. God says this. Do not be afraid of them, the alliance of the five kings. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. What a terrific promise God gives Joshua. I'm sure Joshua called upon the Lord to ask him what to do. I think he learned his lesson from a couple weeks ago where he didn't ask God what to do. He just went and made this treaty which was totally against what God wanted him to do in the first place. When you go into the new land, don't make any treaties with anyone. And yet, he did. Now, he's got to keep his word. He's made this treaty. He's, now he's seeking God's guidance. How is that with us? When obstacles come in our way, do we seek God's guidance? Do we look for his wisdom? James 1, 5 through 8 says this. If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God. For he who gives, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. When we don't know what to do, we should ask God for wisdom and believe God's going to answer. We should ask with faith. Personal story. When I graduated from college, I was working for the admissions department in Northeastern. Northeastern Bible College is where I graduated from. And they would post job offerings, and I I had graduated with a degree in education, and I wanted to go teach. 
And at the time, I was looking to teach in a Christian school. And so a job posting was, was put up. It was in a city called New Hartford, Connecticut. I went, had the interview, seemed to go pretty well. Came back home, got on the phone. They said, you can have the job, it's yours. That whole week, when I said, yes, I'll I'll come and, and work for New Hartford, Connecticut. That whole week, I did not have any peace at all. And it was because I never prayed about it. I never sought God's wisdom. There was this uneasy feeling that God was telling me, this is not what I want you to do. And so I called New Hartford, Connecticut, said, I can't come. God hasn't given me the peace. They understood. They let me out of the contract that I had signed. A couple weeks later, Saw another posting. New Hartford, New York. Emmanuel Christian School. That's this place right here. Came for an interview, met Bob Morton and Tom and Bomas and a few others who were on the board at the time. Little did I know what I was going to get myself into. But I had prayed, I had asked God for wisdom. And he gave me that peace. And that's what we should do when we're faced with obstacles in life. Seek God. Joshua sought God. Joshua also relied God to help. The most spectacular part of this account that we see in this passage is how God intervened with the Israelites. There are four acts of God that occurs in this account. The first one is pretty easy to miss. Joshua gathers up his soldiers And he marches at night, all night long. They had to march approximately 25 miles to where they were going. There's, I think there was a map up there. To meet where these armies were going to meet and fight against uh, Gilgal, or Gilgal. Gibeon. So they march all night. And then they fight all day. God had given them tremendous stamina to march all night and fight all day. And then fight into the next day. Because the sun was standing still. There was an incredible strength that he gave each one 
of the soldiers. God gives us incredible strength. And it seems to come from nowhere when we face obstacles in life. I'm sure many of you can testify God's working in that manner. The second thing we see here, a second act of God, we see that God threw the armies of the five kings into confusion to the point they were really ain't, weren't able to fight back. God often works in our circumstances to create opportunities for us. It says in verse 10, God threw them into confusion before Israel so that Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely at Gibeon. The third miraculous thing that we see here is that the armies, as they were seeking to escape from the hands of Israel, they're going down this steep hill. And God called, called out large hailstones to fall on top of them. Now, I don't know how it is in Israel, but hailstones are kind of unusual. I read somewhere uh, the largest hailstone ever to fall on earth weighed 1.67 pounds. That would do a lot of damage on your cars. And if something that heavy falls from the sky, it's probably traveling like 100 miles an hour. And it hits these forces, these, these troops from these five kings. And he kills, these hailstones kill more than the Israeli army did. What's kind of amazing is that none of these hailstones hit the Israelis. See, God was with them. And then the most renowned miracle occurs. The one where the day seems to stand still. I imagine Joshua realized that there wasn't enough light because as soon as the, the sun goes down, they stop fighting. They can't see. It's dark. So Joshua simply asks God this, verse 13 and 14. Son, Stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. This is probably one of the most debated miracles in the Old Testament. Because you know that the earth is in this very delicate balance, spinning approximately a 1,000 miles an hour. And if the earth was to stop spinning, 
tremendous catastrophes would occur. Now, there are some that would say, oh, that's just a figure of speech. Or some may believe that the rotation of the earth really didn't stop, it just slowed down. Or it reflected off the moon, so the moon's sun, the brightness of the moon was as bright as the sun. Or you could take it as a figurative language. It's just poetic. It was if, as if the sun stood still. But I'm of the belief that God, the creator of this world, can and could, if he wanted to, stop the earth in its tracks to allow that sun to shine a full 24 hours if he wished. No matter what the debate is, I want you to see this. This is the key. Don't miss the point. God heard Joshua's prayer. He intervened dramatically to help him. In the same way, when we face obstacles in life, Whatever it may be, whether it's cancer, whether it's circumstances that are coming that are difficult, whether it's finances, whatever, relationships, God can and will hear your prayer. He will enable you to do more than you could ever imagine. Jesus said, if you remain in me, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done. We believe in a God who can answer prayer. And many times, it's way beyond what we could ever ask for. Is it possible For God to restore broken relationships? Absolutely. Is it possible to find strength when we're weak? Absolutely. Is it possible for people to come to our aid when we feel alone? Absolutely. Is it possible for God to melt the hardened heart? Absolutely. No matter what the obstacle is, God could remove it. God could change it. God could give us the strength to go through it. He gives us the courage to speak the truth in love. He gives us the courage to withstand any fire that we can go through. 
if we trust him, he will do what is needed to help us. Sometimes it may be dramatic. Sometimes it will be subtle. But we have a God that answers prayer. Look what happens. Joshua attacks this problem wisely. He attacks this problem with some wisdom. You see, he does his part. They depart from Gilgal and they have to march 25 miles. They surprise this alliance of kings. They have a bold and brilliant military strategy. Because they asked in wisdom. And God gave them this wisdom. Joshua could have taken the easy way out. He could have said, Gibeon, you're on your own. You deceived us. Why should I help you? He could have said, hey, it's not my problem. I'm backing off of this. You're going to get what you deserve. And sometimes the easiest thing is not always the right thing. God directs Joshua to go and rescue them. They made an oath. They're keeping that oath. They're keeping their word. So how do we find wisdom when life around us seems to be going chaotic? Some general principles we should do. Ask God for help. We got to ask. Bible's really clear. If you don't ask you're not going to receive. How many of you parents stand off and watch your children struggle and wait for them to ask for help? See, if you don't ask, and if they don't ask, sometimes it's resented. But God wants you to ask. Ask for help. And then we must listen to what he says. Listen to his word. We need to walk with God on a daily basis to know what God's saying to us. If I had a phone book... They make phone books anymore? <laughs> Open it up and put my finger on a name. Do I know what that person's thinking? No, I don't know that person. 
But if I ask my wife what she's thinking, I don't even have to ask sometimes. I know exactly what she's thinking. Because I have a relationship. God wants a meaningful, deep relationship with you. He knows you. And he wants to meet with you daily. And in order for us to know God and know the heart of God, we need to spend time with him. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time in the word. And if we want to discern God's will, we also need the counsel of good Godly Christians, friends. It's invaluable. See, God did not design us to be independent, but He designed us to be interdependent with each other. When I throw a ball, it takes my whole body to throw a ball, or if I just use my arm, it doesn't work. There's nothing on it. But it takes the whole muscles coordination to work together just as the body of Christ works together. When we see someone suffering, when we see someone in need, we need to roll the sleeves up and and help them out. When we're in need, we need to ask others for help. Don't let pride be in the way. We can gain lots of wisdom from fellow believers. And sometimes we can often discern God's will in circumstances. Many times God closes a particular door which we think that's the door we should walk through. But sometimes that closed door has a reason. God has a new and greater opportunity for us. I believe if we're diligent and sincere about seeking God's guidance, if we work to align our desires with the word of God, now that's not right. We should align God's desires with our life. When we listen to good counsel of friends, we have exactly what we need. As I close here, let me just make two different applications. Look what happened to these five cities. They formed an alliance. They had heard about the amazing power of God 
working in Israel. I'm sure they've seen it in the newspapers and on television, what happened to Jericho. They saw God at work in giving this group of ragtag people victory one after another after another. They could have looked for help from him. Instead, they chose to fight and resist. They refused to turn to God. And the result of their refusal to turn to God was defeat. Some of you may be running from God now. Instead of running from God, you should be running to him. It's only through God can we find strength every day. My second thought is this. Some of you are facing some major obstacles in life today. You have no idea what's going to happen, what the outcome's like. These obstacles may have happened because of your own actions, or maybe they have come out of the blue. But you face a challenge, and it seems overwhelming. You may feel that you're beyond help, You may feel that your situation's impossible. But God is the God of the impossibles. There's nothing, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Learn from Joshua. As you face an obstacle, Turn to him. Open your heart to him. Seek his help. Trust in his provisions and his love and his grace. Yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Open and read his word, and obey it. Ask others to come alongside you. You don't have to go through that obstacle by yourself. When we seek God's direction, we pursue his wisdom He's going to be our strength. He's going to provide what you lack.
He will defeat that obstacle if you let him. Father God, as we close today, may your word be of an encouragement to us. That we be strong and courageous. That we place our faith and trust in you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.